You are listening to the JTMR podcast. Visit our website at www.jesustomyrescue.com for free sermons, articles, ebooks, Bible study tools, Bible quizzes, and lots more. We share the gospel of Jesus to the world. Hello and welcome to the program which looks at the Holy Land. I am Paul Calvert. Psalm 71 verse 4 from the New King James Bible says this, Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. I'm with David Lang from Israeli Cool. Now, David, you've recently went to the south of Israel to see the devastation caused by the October 7th terror attack. Why did you want to visit? Uh, Thanks for having me, first of all, Paul. Actually, I didn't really want to visit. It took me a long time to gather up the strength to visit. It was more a case of thinking I have to visit. It's necessary for me to visit to spread the truth. And actually, I think it it's behooves everyone capable of going down there and seeing for themselves to visit and help spread the truth in, you know, because we're confronted with this wave of lies. Where did you visit? We started off at Sterot, which is a community down south, which many listeners probably recognize as having been the recipients of rock attacks for years and years and years. And from there, we moved to Kibbutz Nachal Oz, another of the communities in the Gaza envelope, which was hit really hard on October 7th. From there, we moved to Reim, which is the site of the Supernova Festival, where all the young party goers were massacred and or you know kidnapped. And our last stop of the day was at Kfar Aza, which is right on the border there with, with Gaza, which again was another community really savaged on October the 7th. What did you see there? Did it shock you? It wasn't that we saw gore. What The thing that shocked was just how quiet, I don't want to say peaceful, because the air was very heavy and everyone had understood what had occurred there. But it's like all of these communities and places stood still in time. I mean, one of the things you notice there, for instance, is the smell of rotting fruit. The fruit is rotting because people have left these communities. They've been relocated it might be temporary, it might be permanent, we don't know yet, for sure. And there isn't anyone picking the fruit. So you have all this rotting fruit on the ground. You also just see everything the way it was, more or less. Obviously, body parts and blood have been cleaned up. But everything else otherwise is frozen in time. For instance, this happened just after the Jewish holiday of Sukkot, tabernacles. So in some of these places, you still see these tabernacles, these Sukkot, still up. And this is has two purposes one yeah they things are frozen in time but it's almost a sort of a sign of defiance that people have left those up as well and didn't take them down you see bullet holes in the doors in kfar aza we were able to or we were allowed to enter one of the apartments and even the tv the monitor in the house was still on and everything was more or less left away in the shambles the way it was so that was really i don't want to say creepy but you know eerie to see that So although there wasn't this gore, you got a real sense between looking at how things have sort of stood still and also the people that were speaking to us, what they were telling us of what had actually occurred on that day, on October the 7th, beyond, you know, seeing videos and hearing on the internet about this. Did you get an opportunity to meet people? Did they share their stories? Yes. So there were, we did, you know, some of our guides on the day were people that lived in the communities and were able to narrate what had occurred. But obviously, many, many people are unfortunately no longer with us and are there to tell the tale. 
you went to the Supernova Festival location. What did you see there when you went there? And that must have been really eerie just to be able to go there. Yeah, because it's sort of in the middle. Of, it feels like it's in the middle of nowhere. It's really serene and peaceful, and you have the trees around, and you can just imagine what that festival was like. Right now, it's like a memorial. So you see all of these posters standing in the ground memorialising the people whose lives were taken away or who were kidnapped on that day. In fact, also Kva'az and the other places, you see such posters. In Kva'az, specifically on every house that you see where someone was killed or kidnapped, you see like a colour-coded poster. I believe if the name was in red, they were killed. And I forget the other colour, but if it was in a different colour, it means they were kidnapped and everyone in that place was affected in some way. So there were so many young people killed at this music festival, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I, if I'm not mistaken, it was, you know, onward of 300 uh, young people that were just taken away in the most brutal fashion. Was it a shock just to be in this locations? Yeah, it, it is a shock. Look, as I said uh, in the beginning of this talk, it took me a long time to gather up the courage to feel I was able to go because I've been hit hard as of most, if not all Israelis, by these events and not just the events but also the aftermath of the events the fact that you think something so obviously brutal and evil would be met by unanimous opposition in the world and that's not what we're seeing so it's like this one-two punch that we're reeling from and i've really felt it hard given my work because i obviously uh, deal and combat anti-semitism and uh, terror support so i'm very entrenched in the news social media so I'm feeling everything. I'm very sensitive to everything and all the responses. So it's really uh, taken a toll on me um, in that way. And it's been hard for me or was hard for me to gather up the courage to go. And I'm still processing, to be honest, the trip. It was already about a week and a half ago. And I'm forever changed because of it. Did you know anyone that was either killed or kidnapped from that area? Yes. So my stepdaughter's boyfriend... He was in the commando unit. So on October the 7th, he had to save some soldiers that were trapped in a base where Hamas had almost taken over. And he rescued them, but he unfortunately lost his life. So that hit mm. our family, obviously, you know, it hit home, very close to home. And people, you know, that you know that lost someone, even my kids have friends who lost siblings and cousins. And pretty much everyone in Israel knows someone that knows, at least knows someone, or knows someone who knows someone, because we're one big family over here. But in, in my case, yeah, it hit a bit closer to home. Now, Israel has been taken to the, uh, the courts for genocide. Was what happened on the 7th of October genocide? Yeah, you're not going to have a much uh, clearer example of genocide. I mean, their intent was very clear. They wanted to kill people, Jews in particular. They didn't just kill Jews, of course. They killed um, internationals as well from all religions. They even killed some Muslims on that day. So it didn't really matter. They just wanted to murder. And that is genocide. So this, the International Court of Justice, uh, South Africa taking Israel to the International Court of Justice for genocide is one sick joke. Does it shock you that they haven't actually taken Hamas as well to court? Well, South Africa aren't going to take Hamas to court because South Africa are in cahoots with Hamas. They're providing support for Hamas. This, it's a well-known fact that the South African government is on the wrong side of history and has uh, relations with Hamas. So 
That is no surprise. As for any other country doing so, unfortunately, I'm not that surprised either because there seems to be a real lack of morality in the world at the moment. And even those countries who are more on the right side of history don't seem to have the spine to do the right thing when it comes to Israel. Uh, now, we've seen that, you know, in Syria, Assad has been treating his pe people badly. In China, the uh, Chinese have been treating the Muslims badly. Yet Israel is the one that's standing in the dock. Is this a typical form of anti-Semitism? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. That's one of the ways to recognize anti-Semitism. It's this double standard. It's part of Natan Sharansky's three Ds. It's immunization, double standard, and the, the third D escapes me right now. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that there are countries and people that will treat Israel in this way with this double standard is one of the indicators of anti-Semitism. We have so many countries, many of which, by the way, are on the human, UN Human Rights Council, who are human rights abusers, real human rights abusers, and yet we have Israel that is not a human rights abuser being accused of the most horrendous crimes. So, yes, it is a modern manifestation of anti-Semitism. Yeah. Now, of course, the heartache isn't over for Israel because there are still hostages in Gaza. Do you think we'll ever get these hostages back? I truly pray every day that we get them back. I hope with my heart that we get them back. But as the days go by, I have to say that it becomes less and less likely. But yeah, we just have to continue praying and hope for the best. It uh, must be very, very sad for the families. A hundred days without family members, not really knowing whether your family member is alive or dead. This must be really, really hard to go through and cope with for the families. It's a form of torture. It's an absolute form of torture. The, the uncertainty to know the fate of your loved one and just even knowing that they're in such a place at the mercy of the most evil types of individuals on the planet who are capable of the most heinous evil acts. I can't imagine what it's like. I mean, as I mentioned, it's, it's been so hard for all of us, but nothing compared to those who are affected in this way. How has the Red Cross been in helping with the situation? Oh, they haven't helped at all. They've been absolutely disgraceful. One might mm. even say that they've been enabling Hamas in a way why haven't they been demanding to see the hostages and provide, you know, check up on them? There were hostages that needed medication. They haven't seen them. There have even been stories of how they rebuked some of the Israeli families that suggested that they should be seeing the hostages. There was one story where I read someone from the Red Cross said something along the lines of, well, how about you, you know, try to help the people of Gaza or something along those lines. So, you know, I'm not that surprised about the Red Cross, given that they have a, a terrible history when it comes to the Jewish people. They haven't admitted the Magen David Adom, Israel's version of the Red Cross, Magen David being the Star of David. You know, there's the Red Crescent, which are part of the Red Cross, as it were, but Magen David Adom aren't. So, again, this could be an exa another example of institutionalized anti-Semitism. Now that you've came away from the South and visited all these communities, what's the most important thing that you've taken away from all of this? The most important thing I've taken away from this is what I knew before going into it, which was the whole purpose in going there, that it's really important to be a witness to these crimes. Because just like in the case of the Holocaust, where you have people denying these crimes, we're seeing that now. So it's really important to go there, get other people to go there so they can see with their own eyes, listen to the stories, get a feeling for what people went through on that horrendous day and then pass it on to more and more people. Because as I mentioned, there's so much disinformation out there, so many deniers, 
it's really important that those of us on the side of truth and justice stand up and spread the truth to the world. What is your prayer at the moment? My prayer is that God shine a light on Israel, that he protect us, protect our brave soldiers and make them successful in this war against evil, that the hostages are safely returned and that we are all able to recover and be stronger than ever, that Hamas is completely obliterated and that the innocent Palestinian civilians are also able to thrive and live in peace with us without Hamas. Now, you call out anti-Semites on your website. What's your website address for people who'd like to know more? It's israelicool.com. I'll spell that. I-S-R-A-E-L-L-Y-C-O-O-L.com. Okay, David. Well, thank you very much for sharing today. Uh, thanks for having me, Paul. Thank you for joining us today. Pray that God will move by his mighty power in the Holy Land and bring his peace. Thank you for listening to this JTMR podcast brought to you by Jesus to My Rescue Ministries and Outreach. Visit our website at www.jesustomyrescue.com for more great content that will help you grow in your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you need prayer, send us a WhatsApp to plus two seven double six four six eight three six three five. Alternatively, send us an email to support at jesustomyrescue.com. You can also find us on most social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, TikTok and many others. Just search for Jesus to My Rescue. God bless you. Bye-bye.